0: Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And welcome to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 930 AM. The answer, your home of conservative talk radio station where ADOS, the American descendants of enslaved people, are giving you you our opinion on the common issues of the day from a B1 perspective. Was that good, Tiffany? Yes, it was. All right, Kevin. (laughs) Uh, All right. So here we go.
1: Today we are interviewing you. All right. Uh, Why are you interviewing me, Tiffany? Because you asked me to. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm interviewing you because I think it's important for our our viewers to know who we are, who Mm -hmm. each one of us is. So they know me. Uh, so now it's it's time for them to get to know you. So, Kevin Smith, I need you to explain your use of the... Because you harp on constantly, constantly, <laughs> constantly harp on ADOS, American descendants of enslaved people. Yeah, I do. Because uh, as conservatives... What does that mean? Yeah. What
0: does it mean and why do you consistently use that term? So let me... So uh, here... Conservatives generally are reactionary, right, and that just drives me bonkers, right. And so we have people coming out using terms in uh, that that sometimes don't describe uh, describe us at all, right? Like I just ran across this term called bipoc, and I didn't agree with it. So I was like, then because identity is important. Wait a minute, what don't
1: you agree with with bipoc? What is bipoc? Uh, black.
0: I don't know. See, exactly. You don't even know what it is, right? What is it? Uh, But what is there to disagree with? What what there is to disagree with is I don't like the description of it. I don't think it describes uh, black people in America. Right. We use that term and people want a sense of identity. So I always say my identity is an American. I am the descendant of an American. I'm, I'm an American descendant of enslaved people in this country. That is true. We are Mm -hmm. the American descendants of enslaved Mm -hmm. people in America.
1: It seems like everybody's changing identity. Seems nebulous these days. Yeah, so
0: it's nebulous. But I don't. Mine isn't nebulous, and I know people who agree with me. They may not agree with my description of it using the term "ados" a d o e s right. American descendants of enslaved people. Right? Mm-hmm. And I often, often say enslaved Africans. I'm the descendant of an enslaved African. Well,
1: I think ADOS is American descendants of the enslaved. The "the" v is not in the
0: yeah, but but in that, the description. But that's but. important because people are reactionary and they need to. Conservatives are extremely reactionary, and I want to own the term. I want to own my description of the, of the identity, and that's I am a am an American descendant of the enslaved Africans uh, of the past. That's what that means. Well. Right? I, and there's I, no, I don't
1: know that conservatives are reactionary, but they definitely uh, co-opt language. Yeah. So it's good to be to be uh, definitive about your definitions. Yeah.
0: And so what what that does is that ties our identity to America in a way that is respectful to the country, flaws and all. Right. That mm-hmm. we have we are from people who are. But who are in a way that's
1: respectful to our our people and our culture yeah. and our our history. Yep. In this country.
0: And that's why I use that and that there isn't a contradiction that you can have this identity and still be proud of the country. Right. And still Mm -hmm. interact with people to get uh, to accomplish your ends. So people who talk about uh, having this identity, but they don't want to get involved politically are never going to get their ends met. Never. So I hope that answers that question. I probably missed something as well. Do something i need to clarify there
1: no i i like your answer to the to the question i'm just uh you know i'm i'm very interested in in the co opting of language oh, <laughs> because often people are saying the same word and they mean two completely different things so uh i like that you're 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 uh very precise about what what it is that you you stand for and what you believe
0: and, and and the other thing with that is I think people need to see, especially in the Republican Party, they need to see that there are people who have these identities exactly like I described ados right, and they can be interviewed so if I say black that's what I mean when I say black American A black American for me is an American descendant of the enslaved right. A.K.A. used to be Friedman is what the term was used right after the Civil War. But you can have that identity. People need to see you with that identity. Right. And see you interacting and building coalitions to get things done, because that we we do better when we see examples than when we just hear rhetoric. And I know I'm the I'm one of the biggest trolls, right, of all time on on media. Which, by the way, I deleted about six or seven accounts, Tiffany. So I'm no longer trolling people. On some people who I just gave up on them, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, (laughs) but people need to see examples of how people are getting (laughs) people of how people who identify ADOS are interacting politically with other Americans. Right. And how they are. They are forming in coalitions and common bonds in order to to achieve political ends. Is that good? okay? That's that's fair. Tiffany. Bust how does touch.
1: that connect with the things that we do on the show and the things that we talk about?
0: For me, that connects is that oftentimes when people talk about social justice and you and and. Uh, and when oftentimes people talk about social justice right it's justice people want access to things that that they're entitled or not even entitled to People want the ability to access certain things right be that job. people just want,
1: that, equality. Yeah, they they want, want equality they want they want the law to mean what it says and say what it means yes. so if if i wanna if the law says that I can walk down the street on the left side and hop on one leg, I want to be able to do that. It shouldn't be that only white people can do that or only Asian people can do that or only white slash Asian slash whatever can do that. Yeah.
0: But what but for me, what that means oftentimes is that it is the what I see is that there's been this change to what are the requirements like you described? And let me meet the requirements. Right. Let me find out what does it take to be successful in America? And let me achieve that. But now, there's oftentimes people want to we make know us
1: victims. It, we think. know what it takes to be successful in America. The problem is, is that the goalpost is often moved. The problem is, is that what we have defined and said, okay, you have to meet this set of criteria or
0: do this set of activities,
1: and then as soon as we do that set of activities, as soon as we achieve those things. Oh no, we got we've we've added something else on here. Yeah. That you need. You're gonna Mm -hmm. have to do.
0: Yeah. And so
1: we, we've we taken that away. No, we're not, we're not doing that anymore.
0: And so we address that. And so you, and, and our, and that's our, the problem. And our belief is that you have to be in those, in those spaces of power where you can address that. You have mm-hmm. to be in those spaces of power where you can make people aware. of. And
1: you things. have to be, you have to have enough of a backbone not to back down from it to point out exactly what is wrong mm-hmm. and uh, be willing to lean into the headwinds of, uh, of dissent
0: mm-hmm. when you do that. And the other thing, I believe that the way you come in is the way you're going to be accepted. Mm-hmm. If you are a tap dancing fool, that's that's going to be the expectation.
1: And if you are heaven raisers as we are, that's going to be the expectation. Yep.
0: Because mm-hmm. what happens with that when you are when you represent your group is that it actually makes everyone else better. Mm-hmm. Other, other people get to benefit from that. You mm-hmm. know, people who have different identities get, who have different American identities get the benefit from that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's always been my experience.
1: Well, I, and it's a very, it's a biblically based, ex, uh, truth, which is when, uh, you know, when you help the least of these, everybody else is going to be helped. When, yeah. when you go to the, the group that is, is, uh, the downtrodden group, and you elevate them. Everyone else will be elevated.
0: Yeah, and then also I like to carry on. Uh, and I, I didn't realize I was doing this. There's a tradition in uh, in in Ados community in the Ados community, right? Which is uh, is to those of you who are who have done better, you're supposed to reach back down and either directly help those who have not, family members who have not or make the system to where they can achieve the same success. You don't want to be the only one. And there's yeah. a strong tradition of that in, <laughs> uh, in the, in the Ados community, right? Beginning as early as the 17, 16 and 1700s. You have that, especially mm-hmm. through our institutions, uh, the, uh, AME. We have record of it. There's documented record of it.
1: It existed before but, that where
0: there were, where there were free, free black people at that time, who felt, who, who had to, uh, who had to advocate for slaves in, in the southern parts of the U.S. And, and those individuals were, at, were advocating for abolition, for abolition, right? They were black people who were, who were building coalitions with non-black people to end slavery in America. And that's why, if you get a chance, to read a book by a gentleman named Eric Foner, right? Called "Free Land, Free Soil." A very inspirational book, and it sh- it talks about that how there were all kinds of reasons why uh, slavery couldn't have ended, shouldn't have ended, right? They're economic. They built out religious reasons, genetic reasons, just BS after Every BS. every
1: possible uh, obstacle,
0: and our people. Right
1: was thrown in 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 the pathway of the people that were trying to yeah. change, and
0: them. our people were building. Our people who were free in the north were building coalitions mm-hmm. and making arguments. And, and, uh, to end slavery. They were building coalitions with other non-whites to achieve it. And I think when you see that, that gives people hope. It gives me hope when I see things, right? And that's the reason I throw that term out and I believe and use that term. Because I say we're ADOS with a B1 perspective. Mm-hmm. Right? And
1: history really helps you to, uh, see where we can go in the future. It's very important to know the history of a people and to know the history of any sort of uh, concept. You know, for example, the concept of slavery, the actual practice of slavery. It's, It's important to know the history of that. It's important to understand it because when you do, then you don't repeat the same thing. And you can also understand the mentality and the the um, the systems that were in place that helped this beyond just just the rudimentary on its yeah. face system, but what was it in the ethos and in the the uh, the people of the day and the that interactions practice, of the day the system, that caused this the that caused this to to uh, be perpetuated?
0: Okay, hey. Right now, and you have been listening to On the Rec, the first segment of On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 9 30 a.m., home of conservative radio.
1: We are doing a special campaign at Texas Kidney Foundation to get your kidneys checked. It is called Silent But Deadly because kidney disease is a silent but deadly killer. And we need you to go to our website silentbutdeadly.org take a 12 question test and we will send you a kit to your house get your kidneys checked at silentbutdeadly.org
0: and we're back With on the record with Tiffany and Kevin on 930 a.m. The answer home of conservative talk radio, where we as the American descendants of enslaved people are giving you a B1 perspective on the issues of the day. All right, Tiffany, more questions for me.
1: Well, I have I have a a question that I think the public is dying to know. (laughs) People ask me this every time I'm run up on somebody um people don't approach me all crazy when i'm out <laughs> like let me know like it doesn't need to be adversarial i'm just <laughs> we we are two adults having a discussion but okay people ask me and
0: this is texas right <laughs>
1: this is a concealed carry state you don't need to be just rolling up on somebody nuts but anyway <laughs> Anyway, people ask me consistently in the black community in the white community. people ask the same thing, which is uh why do you say you are a cross between Newt Gingrich and Malcolm X two of two people that are probably diabolically opposed if they were if they were sitting and conversing i don't think it would be a you don't think so? I don't think. I you. think there would be some heat in that I think people need to read
0: more. And, uh, but people want to understand what right. you
1: mean when you say you're a cross between the two.
0: All right. So let's talk Newt Gingrich first, right? So Newt Gingrich, ah, love, him. <laughs> love him or hate him, right? He was a game changer in the 90s. So he came in and uh, when politics was uh, more cordial, right? You know, you could debate how, how it's gone down. But he had a set of beliefs that he believed in. Right. And he was okay with being uncomfortable and making other people feel uncomfortable to bring about the change that he wanted. And so he actually has this interesting article. There's an interesting article in The Atlantic that I read every year. There's a couple pieces of uh, documents that I read every single year uh, for Newt Gingrich. I listen to his tapes, uh, the the uh, the CPAC tapes that that are uh, in the Library of Congress. I listen to those every single year, uh, the first quarter of the year. And then also I go back and I read the documents uh, on the court findings uh, when when they brought him up on ethics charges. I read all those documents, about 400 pages. So I get that done the first, first quarter of the year. And the thing that you come out with is that Newt, Newt had a game plan. Newt knew the power of language, and Newt was okay with the powers that be feeling uncomfortable. He was criticized uh, the whole nine yards, but he was okay with that. Now, let's talk about Malcolm X. Let's go back a, a bit further. X came out and X was actually he was young. He was under 40. Like he was super young. Right. Uh, he was articulate. He knew he also knew the power of language and he also was comfortable with making other people feel uncomfortable for what was right. What he believed to be right. He was uh, he, he, he too was labeled anti white, anti this, but he was he was. That was not true. That simply was not true. He represent. He was consistent with American values. He represented a group of people, right? Uh, black people at the time, Negroes, as we were called, ADOs, the American descendants of the enslaved. Right. He represented them with dignity and demanded that we live up to the standards that we have said and that we were promoting worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so those two. How do those two blend together? The two commonalities that I have with that, they understood the use and power of language. They also were uncomfortable with making people feel, with with people being uncomfortable about what they said. And they had an edge to them and they were OK with using that edge because sometimes I sometimes what happens, not sometimes what happens is that people who say they are advocates for something are too comfortable with the powers that be. Mm-hmm. And so you have to come in with a bit of an edge and use that edge in order to pr- push and promote change. The other, So that's the thing there. And the other thing I like about Gingrich, as with uh, X, is that they were just very calculating and very rational. And, hey, this is what people need to do to get things better.
1: Well, I wouldn't say they were calculated. I would say that they that they had well thought out, well planned. And well executed, uh, they had a well executed yeah. plan. They and they built coalitions. They, they looked at at a problem from all angles. What can happen if if X happens? What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do if this happens? What are we going to do? You know, like that. I like about uh, the civil rights leaders. Uh, in the sixties, and the
0: other thing that I like about Gingrich, uh, and, and you, you see this more in Gingrich because Gingrich has more writings, and he, he appears more is the use of history, mm-hmm. right? Where people go, oh no, we we want pe- people have this. They have this image that there was this magical time in America where people just were got along with one another and just love one another. I'm sick of hearing this term. We're more divided than we ever have been. No, it's not We've true. We've always been divided. We've always been divided. And Gingrich was the first person that I know of who points that out. Right. Why, why do you think when you see when you see blackface, right? you see people in blackface, who do you th- from the 1800s when that stuff, you see those
1: photos, Is those those photos that what and those about?
0: pamphlets that came out, who do you think, where do you think that came from? That's from propaganda,
1: right after the oh, Civil those. War, right
0: mm-hmm. after the Civil War, where black people they,
1: that's happened in different times,
0: were, where the freedmen at that time were become, were being called jiggaboos and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. propaganda. What do you think the term in lover comes from? That was propaganda against white allies. Mm-hmm. Right. So never believe it
1: wasn't. It w- when people see it today, they think that it was it was to make black people feel bad. But it was actually to make white allies. Uh, what?
0: Uh, it was make them feel shameful and not wanting to be associated and politically align with the freedmen, with the freed slaves. That was that was the purpose so those was that. of those caricatures. So of of of, Af- of black people were.
1: Really to say, look at what yeah. you're, to say to white people, look at what you're yeah. aligning with when you're when you're supporting these and, people. And, and Gingrich, and I forget that he was, he
0: pointed that, Gingrich was the first person to my knowledge, first politician that I had read that pointed that out and said, you see how people try to break up a coalition that if conservative black people get with conservative white people and bond and make a coalition, you can push for what you want. And you have to push for what you want. You've got to build a coalition, mm-hmm. and uh, and he catch and he does say some bombastic stuff. He's far worse than I am, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not here to carry water for Gingrich. But the the question was, what did I get out of that? Why do I say uh, I like Gingrich? I'm a cross between Gingrich and X, right? Is because no, Tate, I am not. I, I like. I'm it no because I Gingrich believe fan. At all. I am. I'm a big fan. Hits I know. I right? mm-hmm. it, it, it's And then also, so I, so anyway, what I see from that is the need to build coalitions, the need to be comfortable with other people being comfortable when you're pushing for something, mm-hmm. right? And the, the need to be willing to be comfortable being uh, uh, maligned. And I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. And that's what I bring.
1: Yeah, people will malign you. So, um, um what are some of the things that you see since you've been uh
0: consulting?
1: <laughs> well, I just want to switch gears and uh, mm-hmm. you feel comfortable have you said everything you wanted to say about Ados?
0: Yes, I have.
1: Um then I want to switch gears and and just bring that perspective to uh healthcare. Okay. What do you, you know, since you've been involved with Texas Kidney Foundation, and involved with the uh, with the kidney community, mm-hmm. what would you say you you've learned just getting behind the scenes and looking at at uh, the crisis in healthcare that we're dealing with with
0: kidney? Disease? Yeah, so. Um all right. So for those of you who don't know, I I, I I consult with the foundation. Right. And so for me, my approach is a is a, is a systems approach. I believe in the economic system analysis. You got to figure out what what's what are the what are the rules that are in play in a system? How are people being compensated? How are people being punished, if you will? You know what's going on? What are people you know, what are the rules in this system? Right. Because we are in a free market uh, system our medical, our medical care is a free market system, right? And so the things that I see first of all is that there is a tremendous lack of knowledge uh, amongst patients and consumers of medical care, especially in the kidney space, one, right and so and then there is a conflict between those who provide that kidney care, right? And those who receive it, there is a financial conflict because the there's more money in dialysis than there is in prevention. There's far more money, I think. And this is just Medicare for dialysis to di- to dialyze a person for a year with Medicare. There's more
1: money being made. There's
0: more money being made. It's like $88,000 a per year pa- per, patient. per patient. And that's not including what I call what I what I term as ancillary things like infections, uh, all the complications that can come along with dialysis.
1: So for so for Texans, let's put that in perspective, because we hold 10 percent of the kidney yeah, disease a huge population. Number. So that's. That's about our estimates, because nobody wants to give you real numbers. But our estimates mm-hmm. are that it's f- about $4.8 billion. Our numbers are pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. And you remember when we I got
1: those numbers from the, the uh, USRD uh,
0: website. And you can get that. Mm-hmm. And those you numbers those are out there. Network that that number is common to verify guys. that. Uh,
1: but, but it's a huge 4. number. $4.8 with yeah. a B, every year. Just on in stage but you' on the, that eighty eight thousand dollar population that 's fifty four thousand people here in Texas.
0: So we're going to wrap this part of the segment up, but I'm going to leave you with this idea, right? So if you have something like that go- going on, it's easy to get into a conspiracy theory mindset. It's very easy to do that. But uh, what you'll find on the, what we're going to talk about the next section is what does the research say? What do the scientists and the nephrologists who research this, what do they say? That's what we're going to cover ah. next on the third segment of On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin. So once again, you're been listen to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 9 30 a.m., home of conservative radio, where ADOS, American descendants of enslaved people, are giving you their perspective from a B1 view. Hey, we're back. Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin, home of, uh She's got. You're that. on 9 30 a.m., the answer. <laughs>
1: Home of conservative talk radio, where you will be getting a an ADOS American Descendants of the Enslaved uh, perspective on everything that's happening in American society, in business, healthcare, and
0: culture. I'm sorry. If you saw the look on my wife's face, she had me laughing. She's a very cute look. So let's talk about the numbers, right? So you remember when we first, when I first came on, I said, even when you, let's go even further back when you first became CEO of the foundation. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's a systems issue, Tiffany. I said, anytime there's something stupid yep. like this going on or something like this is gotten out of hand, right? There's some type of system in place that's promoting it. We just have to go through and look at the system, right? And so that's my that's the view that I have. That's the view that I came in with. And it's the correct one. Right. And so uh, just in these
1: notice that Kevin is
0: always right. I am most of the time. If
1: you talk to Kevin, yeah. he's
0: always right. And so I, according to him. So I had these beliefs. Let's ignore that. I had these beliefs that, <laughs> uh, that hey, let's go look at how people come into the system of care, right? So what you will find is that there in 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 the field, I mean in in medical practice, there are things called guidelines, right? right. Guidelines are not requirements. They're just simply that they give mm-hmm. you some basic guidelines to follow. recommendations. Recommendations. So most of the guidelines in regards to kidney care are from are promoted by what uh, National Kidney Foundation? They are involved with that because they're a huge organization, mm-hmm. right? And then also they do have, a lot of good work. They do a lot of good work, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the American ASN, the American Society of Nephrologists, which is a large uh, professional. Uh, Most organiza- of
1: the nephrologists, which would be kidney doctors, yeah,
0: are, are part of that. In that. And ASN that is is a professional organization that represents professional. Uh, it represents doctors. They represent the doctors, right? Mm-hmm. You have some couple Kidney of Kidney doctors. So those guys. Are, there are other people that are in
1: it, but it's, it's mainly for
0: doctors. And there's a lot of research going into coming up with those guidelines. These are best practices, right? Mm-hmm. It's where smart people get together and come up with some really good ideas. And we benefit from Sometimes. that a lot. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, though, is that uh, that's in there and that's not communicated very well to the public to the public is not communicated is that in kidney disease, there is the stage of kidney disease. There's five of them. And then also there is the diagnosis of kidney disease. Mm -hmm. So let me explain what that is. So you can have a stage of kidney disease. So let's say you have stage one, right? And about 95, 94, 95% of people who have stage one, uh, who are in stage one of chronic kidney disease won't progress any further, right? Mm But we do know that there's about uh, and same thing with stages two, right? There's about ni- stages one, stages two, and about 95 percent of the people there will not progress further. But we do know from the research, this is in the research, right? And this is very smart people. I'm not inventing this, right? I'm just going to find out what the smart people said. But we do know there are a set of factors that contribute to people progressing from 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 stages one and two into end stage renal. Disease. That's where you need dialysis. Right. And those are the primary are uh, diabetes and hypertension, diabetes and hypertension. Right. So you have these five stages of kidney disease. We know there are major factors that can move you into end stage renal disease. In fact, here in Texas, about a little bit over half of the people who went in the last 10 years who've gone into end stage renal disease have been because of diabetes and hypertension. Those two things. We know that. And there's some other factors. And there's act, they actually have a calculation algorithm that can predict this, not predict that gives, hey, if you keep on this path, you're going to end up here. Here's a likelihood of you ending up in end stage renal disease. Right. So mm-hmm. you can actually be in stages one and two of of chronic kidney disease and your doctor not tell you he's not mm-hmm. required. He or she's not required to tell you.
1: So they see it. They, and, and, and that is what the the problem is. That's the argument that happens often. Uh, is that doctors see it, and and when we say that <clears throat> most of the doctors that are that are going to see that a patient has uh, some stage of kidney disease, it's it's going to be your primary care physician. Mm-hmm. So they see it, but there is no requirement. Mm-hmm. But- there is no suggestion. The suggestion is that they tell the patient. At, st- at some somewhere in stage three. The reality is that they don't tell the patient until somewhere in stage four. So that suggestion means that when people see it, when medical professionals see that you're in uh, stage one or
0: stage two of kidney disease,
1: they don't say anything. Yeah, or if they, they do say they something, say it's
0: sort of like in passing. That's generally from the phone calls we get here at the foundation. They kind of mention it in passing,
1: or they don't mention it at or all. They don't mention. We it You get at a all? lot of calls from they don't mention it yeah. at all. The data says
0: they don't mention it at all. That's true. Okay, and so you have that. So can you imagine if that was cancer? This yeah, you the- If you, if a person,
1: if a a medical professional. A doctor, a nurse practitioner, someone sees that you have cancer, stage one, one cancer, and the decision was made: oh, stage one isn't that bad. We'll we'll talk to her when she gets to three. It would be considered gross negligence. Mm-hmm. Grounds for lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yet it happens every day. In
0: kidney disease, yeah. What's fun? Not funny, but what's? I don't know the word. I use the word funny, but uh, it, but it, what is horrible about the whole situation? Yeah, is horrible. when I tell people this, when I when I tell different
1: people, think that you're you're like, just making that up.
0: You, you, and then when you send them the KDIGO report, uh-huh. you tell, go to chapter. There four, they are,
1: right there. There it is. It's Here you right go. There. This is what this is so, what, our, <clears throat> what we promote. You do,
0: and so mm-hmm. and what, what's but the thing with this is that. People have known that there's a correlation between high uh, high blood pressure and diabetes and end stage renal disease. We have known; they've mm-hmm. known since 2002, mm-hmm. and it's in the it, it is in the academic. We've known record. for at least two decades. But what the but and this is what you'll see too with with a bunch of smart nerdy people is that they want it to be definite. They want to know there's a definite cause without doubt. Right? Well. Thanks to people who've also seen this. We aren't the only people who have seen this. We're the only people I feel that at a local level are bringing it to everyday people, right? And calling it out. And we're going to be doing more of that this year, right? Mm -hmm. But in last year, in 2022, there was a, there was a change in how they uh, screen for chronic kidney disease. They still use the EGFR. Right. And they remove. There was extreme race coefficient race coefficient right out of that. When the race coefficient simply said that black people have more muscle mass on average than white than non black people and that they that their EGFR should be different. It singles out only black people. And, and the reason that's important is that mm. black people were going to be far less likely to get, it put them at a disadvantage when it came to transplants, mm-hmm. right? And they based this on uh, muscle mass. But the thing that I didn't see in any of that is that no one told you the statistical significance of that difference. One, two, no one told you how they went about selecting the individuals. If you select uh, my neighbor, versus me I actually lift a little bit more weights than he does he's a little bit older than I am right I'm gonna have more muscle mass than him period Mm -hmm. right but that they but they don't tell you they didn't tell the statistical significance of that but it really so
1: you have multiple factors factors going
0: on here that are basic trash yeah here so you have the stages of kidney disease one through five if you're in stages one and two no, they're not required to tell you. They're not required to tell you until on three. average. It's
1: not a requirement. It's not even a requirement at three. It is a
0: recommendation. Recommendation. Right. Mm-hmm. And then on, on average, most people end up or most people are, are referred to a specialist.
1: No, I'm sorry. It's not a recommendation. It's a suggestion. Remember, they were very yeah. definitive in yeah. the language. It is not. A recommendation.
0: It, is a, it suggestion. is a
1: suggestion.
0: And we can talk about the whys of that. But but most people find out they're in chronic kidney disease in stage four.
1: Remember, when when you're dealing with medical professionals, the smoke screen is always language. Yeah. And it's always in the wording. Yeah. Suggestions and recommendations. Those things. There, The lack of transparency that exists. Uh, there are several things that, that for for us uh became really relevant and uh, really evident as the as we had our consultation going on with you and that was that there was a lack of transparency that basic the basic right to know of the consumer mm-hmm. the consumer's right to know about their own health uh was being violated mm-hmm. and and uh language was being co opted and used in a manner that meant one thing to the person who is listening, the lay person, mm-hmm. and another thing to the medical profession. Yeah, and, and
0: also the manner in which they communicate, the, let's back up, the, the responsibility then shifts back onto the patient to know and understand what the uh, what the lab work means what the metrics are i mean they put all the responsibility back
1: on literally the place all the onus on so the so think patient. about
0: that for a minute right so you come into an organization you've got you've had a car wreck you've wrecked your body right we could talk about the responsibility of that later, but your
1: body has been damaged. damaged. You didn't
0: wreck it, and you you don't know all. You don't mm-hmm. know what eGFR is. You don't know what albumin is. You don't know all this language. The kidney is extremely complicated. Estimated glomerular filtration rate and,
1: is that co- routinely con- talked about around your dinner table? Most le, people don't let know let what that you, is. As
0: a consultant, getting it, trying to understand that, it took me at least six months just to understand that aspect of it
1: mm-hmm. albumin creatinine ratio test and I have I have literally sat and listened to people who quote unquote are patient advocates patient advocates saying these people need to know what their their uh, ACRs are okay. these people need to know what it, if they actually cared about their health they would know what ACR is most people don't, don't even know where to begin to find um, out what's going on with their
0: kidneys. Well, let's come back on this because this segment is up, right? So you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin, and we're going to continue this conversation into the fourth segment. About the trash talk of medicine.
1: Check us out at On the Record with Tiffany on YouTube. And all you have to do is look up On the Record with Tiffany, and you will get to listen to us talk about freedom, opportunity, growth, and progress. If you like what we're talking about, or if you don't, check us out on YouTube, on the record with Tiffany and listen to what we have to say, because we can guarantee you we're going to spark some debate at your house, just like at ours.
0: (laughs) All right. So this next segment, so continue with the conversation, Tiffany.
1: Well, it's it's that I mean, it's infuriating to Mm -hmm. sit and look people in the face as they call themselves heroes and act like anything but.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that. Right. So this is, this is where my Gingrich Malcolm X mindset comes into this. And this was a hard pill to swallow. Oh yeah. Is that uh, what I told Tiffany and we look and there are, uh, there are, there are a lot of really great organizations that have done a lot in terms of policy change Mm -hmm. uh, for kidney patients and patients in general. There's, there are, There are a lot of good organizations.
1: Yeah. AAKP.
0: Yeah. They're doing a lot of good job. They're doing a really good job. Mm -hmm. Right. But the issue is that they don't have an edge with the doctors. Well, hold on. Let me finish. They don't have an edge with the doctors nor the medical community. Oftentimes what you see there is that the medical community will include patient, quote unquote, patient advocates. But then they shut them down they pull that rank they pull rank on them and basically say hey we're the smart people we know what's going on they don't say that directly but that's the attitude when you're in these rooms right we're the smart people we know what's going on this is too complicated for we're you we're doctors you're not and mm-hmm. and these people get extremely upset when you challenge them cuz oh, i've yes. been on the calls with them these and people being them. doctors yeah so you have mm-hmm. these people who are yeah, who are extremely smart top in their class they don't
1: write call things. me by my first name you better call me doctor such and, so. and when you tell and me that you're going to get blah. called by
0: your first name yeah. all the time because it's just re- terrible but the reason i do that <laughs> is to is to even the playing field It is a power move that they're doing, but I intentionally addressed them with their first names because it's to even the playing field because you can't. We say this all the time. You can't have the power of God and the responsibility of a four year old. Exactly. And then you can't expect me. Because you
1: know what happens when you have the power of God and the responsibility of a four year old? You have a hundred and twenty billion dollar problem in the nation because the power of God exercised as a four year old. Lands a lot of people in
0: healthcare crisis. So here's what we know. Here's what the data says. The data says there's a huge that the people who end up at end stage renal disease and who progress in, in, uh through the chronic through the stages of chronic kidney disease, they're diabetics and they have hypertension. And right now, the reason detecting people and determining if people are in stages one, two and three are so important now is that we have medication that can address it.
1: Yes, We
0: have medications that have been researched to such a degree that they know they work. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it feels like it feels like, The medical community is dragging their feet right now. I told you the statistic where it's like only 42 percent of the people who have who have been diagnosed with diabetes have been tested with the new have been tested for chronic kidney disease Mm
1: -hmm. by medical
0: doctors. Mm -hmm. Only Mm -hmm. 42 percent. That's about 42, 43, depending on who you were. So and then the same thing with hypertension. So we're not even talking about the issues with rare kidney diseases. Yep. We're not even talking about that. Well, and
1: then let's talk about those drugs that have been out for quite some time now.
0: But, so here's the other thing, though. How many
1: have written prescriptions?
0: Oh, it's some extremely good number.
1: 93% of uh, the prescriptions in the United States were audited. And this was presented at ASN. Yep. This was presented at ASN this year in a in a a poster. It was presented at ASN. Mm -hmm. And uh it was 1.26% of the uh prescriptions written for those life-saving drugs were written by or life-preserving drugs quality of life-preserving drugs mm-hmm. life-saving disease uh mitigating drugs mm-hmm. 1.26% of them were written by nephrologists yeah 1.2 Six percent,
0: and then the other thing.
1: So, if you're trying to stop a disease, how do you do that?
0: And we know Mm -hmm. that these new medications are. I always say, follow the money, Mm -hmm. right? And so, one of the things that I part of Mm -hmm. my consulting process is, I go and I look and I see what are the fund managers saying, the people who invest in Mm -hmm. these different medicines, who invest in dialysis. People in dialysis are unshaken. They're like, nope, we're going to continue. Really, mm-hmm. the big deal is people are trying to push for at-home dialysis versus center dialysis. But the money people are confident. Yeah, they're tap dancing. It's going to be unchanged. Why? Because they know the system. They know yep. how, people are, uh, how, how people are diagnosed. They understand mm-hmm. stages versus diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And whenever I tell that to people, people look me in the face, they're like, you're lying. There's no way that could be true. And mm. then when I send them that KDIGO report, the mm-hmm. guidelines, it's a huge document, right? But there it is. It says it. It says what it says. There it is. These, right? and these so,
1: guys are telling you, yeah. hey, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and it's going to be your fault in yeah. the end. And so
0: what's mm-hmm. the answer to that, right? The answer is every person who has diabetes or hypertension should be screened yearly for chronic kidney disease. It, that's one, two, and told the results in a visual form, mm-hmm. not just simply verbal. Mm-hmm. They need to be shown visually. Mm-hmm. This is the stage of kidney disease that you're in, and this is the functioning of your kidneys. When mm-hmm. You see that on a picture; mm-hmm. it's a big difference. And so, and so, communication
1: one of my- is a is a big big problem yeah. with all of this. Transparency, communication is it, it's. How is is the information being communicated if it's being
0: communicated at all? How is it being communicated? Yeah, it needs to be visual for people to see it visual, which is one of the recommendations that we are that the kidney foundation. They're beefing up their website mm-hmm. where people are actually going to be able to get those pieces of information. Come on, enter it into the enter it into, on the website and it'll tell them. Mm-hmm. And so that's that isn't there yet but we'll have that we're getting another, there we'll have that another let's four
1: weeks. let's let's talk about the, the okay. big picture stuff and and right.
0: veer away from the details. Okay, so mm-hmm. then you have that part of it there, right? And so there's a system in place in which people are not informed of the stage of kidney disease that they're in. There's a system in place that does not communicate in a way that the consumer aka the patient, understands, but the onus is all back on them to understand it and we know there's a correlation between uh in stage renal disease diabetes and hypertension we know that we know that i mean the data shows that out so but at the same time those people who have, who have diabetes and in those people who have diabetes and hypertension only about I, I don't hold me. I think it's 45 or 46 percent of those people have even received a, uh, a screening for kidney disease. And then the nerds, right? These researchers are debating on how frequent you should do it. It should be once a year. And then you should also at least once a year in the beginning, unless they figure out you, you're more, you have a more progressive form of it than anything. Increase it there. And you need to be told in plain, everyday language what that means for your health and your body. And then also, if you qualify for these new life-preserving life medications, they need to be prescribed to you, period. Mm -hmm.
1: Period. Yeah. I mean, we literally can see major changes in the numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, For people who are suffering from, who don't have to go through end-stage renal disease. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go through end-stage
0: renal disease. You really don't. You really don't.
1: According to the... uh, uh medical education institute 80% of of in stage
0: renal disease could be prevented yeah with medication and 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 uh adjustment of life mm-hmm. uh, practices mm-hmm. and people want to do changes that and medication. people want to do that but what they get mm-hmm. is a confusing message of oh you know you're good you're good you're you're, you're good normal until you're not good yeah you're normal until
1: all of a sudden you're not good
0: yeah we're just going to be doing we're going to try to lose weight and it's a very uh it's a very demeaning communication style that people end up with right and I, mm-hmm. and you and I not- can
1: tell you on my my own part i uh, over the pandemic as of recently, we've lost over seventy family and friends. well when we first started losing people, you know at what point does your soul start to cry yeah and so. you're just in pain so as i was as that was happening i I picked up weight mm-hmm. what I experienced from from uh one of my my medical professionals was you're just one of those people that's trying to pray through this stuff Mm -hmm. and you're picking up weight and what you need to do is you need to lose weight or you're going to blow out your kidneys you already have this problem and and I'm saying to him no I'm not I'm not not taking my medicine I was taking all of my medications doing everything I was supposed to be doing it was just the stress of the situation that was uh causing my body to go crazy Mm um you know I couldn't sleep I couldn't I I was dealing with so many deaths and it was hard and also Uh, but there was no but there was no um there was no emotional understanding of that and the entire exchange was one of you you know essentially you walk out of there feeling like you're trash like you didn't do you, you're you're but doing that, everything wrong but that's the system though the system is designed and if and i'm a pretty confident person people who know me know that so for me to walk out of a space and experience that what i walked out of there with was you know what we're going to change this for the people that are because uh, a a regular person who's going through this. Not that I consider myself above regular, but but I'm very confident. So yeah, somebody that level. doesn't have have the level of of uh, of self love that I do <laughs> is walking in there. They're going to be destroyed but by the that. The
0: issue is Tiffany is that we have people who want to who want to be in a free market economy around Madison. Mm-hmm. but they want to hold a, a level of knowledge and information that they're not giving to the consumers. Yeah. Right?
1: And, and, so and that's as a true.
0: Consumer of medical care. I have a right to know certain things in mm-hmm. plain everyday language. I have a right to know that. And the issue is that people see <laughs> this at the and national what I didn't level, say, but, what they're, but what they aren't doing is getting it down to the everyday.
1: And what level. I didn't say is that at the same time, uh, while I was asking for numbers, I wasn't getting numbers. Yes. I wasn't getting numbers. You have to, so I'm being my own advocate. I'm doing the same things that I'm telling patients to do, which is, hey, what's my estimated glomerular filtration rate? Mm-hmm. What's can, if can you do uh, an albumin creatinine ratio test on me? Tell me what the what the results are of the ACR. No, you're normal.
0: You're good. You're good.
1: You're and good. those were the the reactions I was getting. You're you're good. You're fine. You know you're one of those paranoid people. You're just paranoid and emotional, Tiffany. So why do you want to? Why do you want to know that number? you just par- All you're gonna do is just drive yourself crazy. Really? It would Would anyone, would anyone make a statement like that in regards to cancer? Why would you want to know the stage of cancer that you're in? That's just, that's an emotional response. Why would anyone say that? Believe
0: it or not, that is actually one of the beliefs that, that nephrologists and primary care physicians have. And we are running out of time on the show, but... There is more to come uh, with uh, with the work. heaven
1: raises. We'll be we'll be back. Yeah. So we have
0: we're, there's going to be more true advocates advocacy to get the information, on our part. the technology and the knowledge out. It's 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 there, but it just hasn't reached common everyday people. And that's the part where when you are an advocate, you have to take on the <laughs> spirit of it's your job. It's your job to be X slash Gingrich. Mm hmm. Right. And, and bang the drums and bang the drums. And you've been listening to nine thirty a.m. The answer home of conservative talk radio, listening to Tiffany on the record with Tiffany and Kevin.
1: You've been enjoying
0: on the record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to nine thirty a.m. The dot com and join us next week for on the record with Tiffany on nine thirty a.m. The answer.